The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to SideQuests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. So, Peter, what's going on with you? Well, spring is almost finally here. We're just going to have to wait and see if, if it becomes another false spring. But um, uh, I'm, I'm not poisoning pigeons in the park just yet, for those who get that reference. <laughs> that was the first thing when you said uh, spring is almost here. That was the first <laughs> place my mind went. So that's that's an old Tom Lehrer song for those of you who don't know. Check it out. He's he's awesome. Tom uh, Lehrer is amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Thursday I got sent home from work because I'd been in close proximity to a kid who tested positive for COVID. So uh, <coughs> once this recording is over, I need to uh, to head out and, and get tested. And then I need to get tested on Monday. And if both of those are negative, then everything is fine. So by the time this, uh, this recording is actually uploaded and people are listening to it, I will know whether or not I, I have the coronas. But Right now, you know, I, I'm feeling fine. I don't have any symptoms or anything. So I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that even if I'm, I'm sick, then uh, then I'm not going to feel anything. But uh, yeah, that was um, that was an experience. Yeah, <laughs> hoping for the best, man. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, so this is going to be yet uh, another casual Friday where uh, Peter and I are just going to ramble on about some. Uh, various topics, and for those of you who are thinking, well, how is that different from any other episode of the podcast? Uh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, this is more <coughs> random. Oh yeah, but anyway, like um, I, I was stuck home uh, yesterday. Uh, I didn't go to work, uh, and so I was doing various stuff. Like I was playing computer, and I was tidying up. Um, I have this. Um, staff that I've been working on so I was doing a bit of carving on that and and everything and and it kind of got me thinking like you can't work all the time and that's that's was also true in the middle ages so what did people do when they weren't working especially if you were say a noble who still had some work to do obviously uh, especially if you were the head of a household but what did they do for for entertainment in a time before TV and computers and in a time when most people couldn't even like sit down and read a book what was what was done for uh, for leisure activity um and i mean it 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 depends for example uh if you were a peasant who lived in a a, a tiny village then you didn't really have all that much to do but things don't change that much. I mean, one of the things that we enjoy is getting together with our friends and talk and especially gossip. So even in the small village where you had maybe like, say, 10 farms or something like that, people would probably, after work, go visit each other. And since everybody was um, was brewing their own beer, they would sit around and then, well, t- uh, this evening we're visiting this farmer and we're drinking his beer. And then tomorrow we're visiting me and drinking my beer. And then tomorrow it's the next one. And so the, the men would sit together and drink and um, talk of affairs. And women would sit, t- sit together and drink and probably do uh, a bit of needlework or whatever and gossip which uh, the men certainly did not. They talked of affairs. Yeah, of course they did. The important business. But yeah, and, and just one of the things you mentioned there, uh, brewing the be- beer is is actually an activity that, that kind of 
brings people together and, and is a thing that you do. Uh, and, and even if you go up to like the 16 and 1700s, you have like um, traditions of when you're supposed to to set the midsummer beer, for example, so that that you that it's ready for for midsummers and stuff like that. So it it would be a thing that let's yeah let's let's do the do the stuff so that when we really want to celebrate, we we have proper beer. Uh, so so it's basically anything that you can use as an excuse to uh, to to spend time with other people. Uh, you you used as an excuse to spend time with other people, um, and 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 also a thing that's, that people don't really think about is that in in a way you you actually had quite a lot more spare time uh, back back when you were uh, in a in a farming society than you have now because you didn't have the the, the nine to five work days and and you didn't work five days a week. You, in in a way, you worked every day because even if it's a holiday, you still need to get up and, and feed the animals and milk the cows and, and stuff like that. But yeah, exactly. Even if it was Sunday, we're not supposed to work. Well, the cow can't wait just yeah, because it's, it's Sunday. Exactly. It has to be milked. Yeah. So, but but then in in other parts of the year, like for example, when when you uh, when you've sowed your fields and they're just growing, it, it doesn't help around if if you just sit and watch your wheat growing so it's not going to grow any faster just because you're watching it exactly so so then you have time to do other things and and there there are i it's it's probably a meme by now but but i learned it when i studied history that that if you like the your your average medieval peasant had more days of like like holidays uh than than a modern person when when you're considering that basically every day is is a Christian day of of a saint like you, you celebrate a saint like like midsummers it's it's Saint John and you have all all of the other saints um, yeah because the word and, and everything so yeah uh, and and a lot of these were actual holidays where you weren't allowed to work because yeah exactly the word holiday comes from holy day yeah. and and when you look at at the Christian calendar in the Middle Ages, there were just a tons of ton of holy days, and <clears throat> at least here in Denmark, at one point they tried to do a bit of of, of rationalization and just lump as many of these uh, holy days. Some of them were full, some of them were half holy days together into one great prayer day, um, where, where, which is oh, yeah, now. Yeah, you have that one. Yeah. Yeah, we we I I they never did that in any other countries, as far as I'm I know. But oh, we I... we have one day which is like the called Storbill Day, which means great prayer yeah. day. Uh, I can't remember if it's a Thursday or a Friday. I always get it mixed up with Ascension Day. But it's it's like a one one day holiday uh, that that we have here in Denmark, which was uh, either a king or one of his advisors going seriously. People are not working. We need to to rationalize this stuff. But but then again, in general, like what what I find you kind of interesting is that if if you look at the more like the activities that that people did the the playing of the games on and, and oh, yeah. sports where well you you had sports you had like football football was huge uh, quite literally in uh, in England because you didn't have like a football field uh, you you often played it in the streets uh, from like from one city gate to another and you had like you could have hundreds of participants and and people were literally getting killed during the oh yes 
Yes, they were they were basically like, okay, somebody tackled him, but with a knife. Yeah, so exactly. he's and, out. And, and what's <laughs> kind of interesting with that is that that you have uh, occasions that or killings that were quite obviously murders, but people got away with it because it was during a football match. So you can't really prove that it was actual murder because sports or something. Yeah, I, I mean. Know. So anybody playing a football game and dying, that was kind of suicide. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and then speaking of violent sports, you have, I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's in one of the um, Italian cities. You, you basically have it, you, you have it still. And it's, it's one of those sports that I, I, when, when I hear about it, I would like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And I would like to try it. But then, then when you see it and you, you read the fine prints, you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not tough enough for that, and it's it's basically uh, handball combined with with uh, mixed martial arts or, or <laughs> ultimate fighting or something like that. Because it's you're you're allowed to to more or less beat the crap out of your opponents, and and it's it's one of those things that are are still around just for for people to to be be really well I'm not going to say madly but but tough about it and it's like is isn't that Aussie rules football <laughs> yeah yeah well more, more or less but but the violence is is not only implied it's in, encouraged yeah. so you, ha- you have a lot of like team sports like that 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 you could do uh, and and then uh, and like another thing that I find kind of interesting is, is that if you look at you you have like the Highland games in Scotland where yeah. you uh, where it's basically carrying heavy stuff, throwing logs, and throwing stuff sometimes at other stuff, and and you have kind of similar games all all over the place, and 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 in a lot of places you don't really have that tradition anymore. But in in Gotland uh, you have the Gothnic games or the Gutnic games, where where you also have uh, you, you're supposed to to throw a log, and there are different kinds of of wrestling and and all a uh, bunch of stuff uh, which in, in some ways are, are quite similar to to the highland games because that's that's what you had lying around at the end like in the, in the break of of your work day um, and like oh, okay what what are we going to what are we going to do now let's let's see who can throw this log the furthest or, or yeah. whatever like so so a lot of these folkish games are not only similar, but they, they're also kind of like the the things you have lying around. Um, another uh, Gotlandish game is is Varpa, uh, which is it's basically bull, uh, but instead of, of throwing balls at at other balls, uh, you have uh, a flatted. I think it's actually called a rock, but nowadays it's made of alu- uh, alu- aluminium. Um, but it's it's kind of like a, a smaller um, Kind of, kind of like I've I've heard a rumor that it's supposed to look like a cow patty, and that's how it started. Mm. Uh, but they they were made of of uh, rocks back in the days, and I think like the traditional people still use sandstone to to make them. But but you you're supposed to hit um, uh, a peg in the ground, so it's like throwing horseshoes basically, and you have a point system. Yes, and uh, and horseshoes is is a perfect example of this idea of. Once you take a break from your work, you start throwing whatever else is around because, you know, cowboys, when they were out with the herds and and the herd was settled down and there was nothing to do, well, they they had some spare horseshoes lying around and now you make a game out of it. Yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, so, and, and 
I don't know if it counts as carrying whatever's lying around, but but in Finland they have the uh, the the wife race where you where you yeah, have to yeah. carry. Do it, Supposedly do it. your wife, though, whatever woman you're willing to yeah. carry is the one that you're supposed to carry for a race. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's still going around, and I I don't know if they do that still, but at least for for quite a few years, you uh, the 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 prize that you won was the the wife's weight in beer. Yeah, so it was a very, very um, calculated risk you had to take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how much? Then again, in in Finland, you can actually buy like cans of beer in packs of a thousand. Uh, okay, uh, somehow I'm not surprised. Um, but it's it's interesting when we when we talk about what they did for uh, for entertainment because. Um, there are two things. Uh, there are two factors here. The first is that that um, whenever there was no natural light, so no sunlight, um, you it was difficult to work. You could do like needlework or stuff like that, but um, maybe do some carving. I mean, you've talked about how people like to embellish and decorate stuff, and that was cer- certainly something you could yeah. do uh, either by feel or at a if you had like a tallow candle, but. The lack of light informed the amount of time that you had where you weren't working because if if you were doing that you could still sit around and talk with people but also um, any kind of entertainment really had to be communal but because I mean if if I don't have anything to do uh, I can sit down and read a book uh, people back then couldn't I mean if you were a, 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 a priest of course you could do that but they their reading was was more for um, Sort of their vocational uh, use than than entertainment. Certainly, there were a few um, books that were written purely for entertainment. But y- if you wanted to uh, do something leisurely, you had to get together with people, like you said, with sports or other uh, activities. And and so it it was a very communal thing. And and so I think if you want to translate that into the game. The idea of the lone wolf vampire who only rarely interacts with other vampires, that, that's actually uh, going to be a bit of a, a weird thing because people back then were very communal, more, th- more so than we are today, because they kind of had to if they weren't going to be bored out of their minds. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and again, it, it kind of shows as well that a lot of these games that you play are, are team sports or team games like like you do, you have um, again I'm I'm just going to go on with the with the Gotlandish games because I spent some time there in the summers and and you have another game called uh, Park which is I I think the best way to describe it would probably be like a mix between uh, baseball volleyball and and tennis because you you have this very hard um, uh, ball that that you're hitting between two teams, and and w- what I find interesting about it is that the width of of the playing field uh, is is standardized, but the the length of it can be any length, so you can just <laughs> keep on keep on going, and and you have you have a quite large team. I, I think you're supposed to be at least seven people in each team, uh, and those are of course the official rules, and then then you will always have the kind of like. Playground rules where everyone can join in, 
Yeah. Uh, so and and you're supposed to hit the ball between each other and and smash it over to the opponent's side and 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 grab points. So and and like we mentioned, uh, football games you could have li- literally hundreds of people in each team. So so you have the games were you know um, a way to keep people together because like you said, otherwise you would just get bored because it's it's so boring doing stuff on your own. Um, and and it's. It's probably a, a necessity to to build community in that way as well. To to have like yeah, we, we do this together, we work together, we play together, and quite often you also sleep together. Not only sexually, but in in many households you would have like one big bed. Yeah, exactly. Because that's how you keep warm. Uh, yeah. So, and... so yeah, a, a lot of these games are um, are, are a way to to build your community and and what you mentioned about nobility is is also kind of an interesting thing because if you look at uh, I'm, I'm just going to oversimplify this but if you look at if you divide people into peasantry and and nobility or like the poor people and rich people yeah. you have the games of the poor people are are usually like let's let's make be a bunch of, of people together just I, I do just like you said throwing stuff at other stuff or 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 it's it's usually the kind of heavy work related like lift heavy stuff, throw heavy stuff, uh, or or beat beat the crap out of other people with a ball in, included, um, <laughs> and and then you because that's kind of like what what you had lying around yeah. and what you wanted to do, and then you had uh, the the games of the nobility, which is like you had chess, uh, you had nefatafel, which is a kind of Viking chess, if you want to simplify it, but but those games are more focused on on teaching strategy and and thinking and how to lead other people or how to like control other people. So so you have like the the games uh, of of the nobility are very much um, adapted to to what they are supposed to learn, and and the games uh, of of the peasantry focus on on the qualities being strong being fast working in a team that uh, that that a peasant would need to know yeah and i think i mean some people might think well okay did the nobility then sometimes read uh at if we if we take a look at the uh dark age timeline no even by 1242 reading was uh, not really all that common among nobility they had people to read for them Mm. uh which which also ties into what did they do for entertainment well sometimes they had people to entertain them in in a village or a town you would have some people who knew how to play instruments and they would play and everybody would dance in a castle the nobility would have someone come to them who could play or who could tell stories and they would entertain with with playing telling stories or um i mean the word juggling comes from jongleur which was a kind of traveling physical entertainer who did uh, all manner of physical entertainment including juggling balancing act things like this mm. um there's also the the idea of the court jester but uh, I mean, this is an area where you know more about me. But from what I understand, if we're looking at like the the start of the 13th century, court jesters weren't really that much of a thing. No, not not really. And and what what you had, and and it's different in different places, of course. But but what you could have, and and this is actually quite dark, is is that you had uh, mentally disabled people that you dressed up uh, yeah. and made fun of, basically, or physically disabled people. Yeah, yeah, as, as well, um, and and 
with with certain uh, affli- uh, afflictions, you basically you unfortunately get both. So, uh, but but yeah, and and uh, you you do get later on, but that's basically up um, in well, well you do you do get them around the thirteen and fourteen hundreds as well. But uh, but but then it's 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 also quite a lot tied to the the, the traveling uh, entertainers. Um, but but yeah, you you did have jesters that and and court jesters that that could um, uh, that that uh, would uh, that that would basically be it's it's in some ways it's it's kind of like a, a memento mori for for the royalties that you're you have one person who is allowed to make fun of of the the king uh, kind of a, as a way to ground them uh, and and you have. Um, I can't remember which which of the French Louis. I think it might have been the thirteenth. But I think it was that. Yeah, he he had a, a jester that that uh, was um, kind of like a, a, a bit over the top even for jesters. And, and suppos- <laughs> yeah, supposedly at one time he he smacked the bottom off of the king, uh, and the king was like, "Okay, you now now you've gone too far." Uh, why did you do that? And if you don't give me a good enough reason, I'm going to have you executed. And, and he said, "I'm sorry, my king. I mistook you for the queen." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, and and I don't know if he got away with that, but but there's also a story about him uh, being executed, or, or he he's being sentenced to death for his crime. And and but he gets the choice of uh, of how he wants to die, and he says that he wants to die of old age. Um, so about thirty-four, I would guess. Uh, but, <laughs> well, no, he's 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 still you know he's living with the king and everything. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's he getting good food better. and warmth yeah. and everything. He could probably live for at least longer yeah. than if he chosen to get his head chopped off. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. But but, but one, yeah, so, so you have these you have this character and and you have um, Shakespeare probably writes about him and and you have these these characters that that show up as as kind of like. Often they're 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 supposed to be kind of like um, uh, yeah to to in in some ways to almost to put the monarchs in place to to show them that yeah don't don't get too cocky because there's there will always be someone who can make fun of you. And, yeah, and like the this... idea that that a, a victorious general in in Rome would have a slave standing behind mm-hmm. him telling him yeah 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 you won now but remember. You are just immortal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and there is a lot of, of these kinds of characters showing up in um, in in a lot of the, the stories as well that people told that you you have the when when you have um, a, a, a king or a, a basically anyone who gets to copy it, there's there will be like a, a vicious dwarf or or some kind of of fae who brings them back down to earth a bit to to show them that hey don't get too cocky. Um, the the entire concept of, of hubris in Greek mythology is basically this. yeah. But speaking of of nobles, also uh, when it comes to entertainment among nobles, the biggest thing, and we I don't think I can overemphasize just how popular this was, was hunting. Mm. Um, nobles absolutely loved to hunt, and yes, one one of the things that hunting did was obviously bring in some new meat to yeah. the table. Um, and another thing that hunting did was show the privilege of the nobles because um, 
certain commoners might be given leave to hunt in certain parts of a forest or to hunt certain animals in a forest or actually be employed as hunters. But nobles had the sort of the run of the land. Um, the, the famous One of the famous stories about how Robin Hood actually became an outlaw was that he... Uh, killed a king's deer um, which was obviously illegal and and the idea of the king's deer was the the forest belonged to the king and then the king could as um, uh, as a a show of his nobility and largesse grant a certain portion of forest to a nobleman and say you are allowed to hunt there and nobles would go hunting quite often and if a fellow noble or a noble of the church so for example a bishop visited then that was an excuse for a hunt just about anything was an excuse for a hunt and hunting was what um we th- their type of hunting was often what we today would call uh, at least in Denmark it's called a parforce hunting uh which is the chase on horseback um sometimes you or often you would send out commoners as beaters who would beat uh, out the game but the the horse would be the the hunt would be done on horseback and the interesting thing here is it was very much um a mixed gender sport like it there was no um sort of stigma or or anything attached to a woman going out hunting and a woman could be praised for a hunting ability a woman who was a good rider a good shot with a crossbow would receive just as much praise as a man who was a good rider and a good shot with a crossbow so this was an area where women could shine alongside men and sometimes show up men and interestingly if you want to make a character uh, in uh, a dark ages game a woman who is uh, a great rider a great shot uh, with a bow or crossbow, then just have her be a noble woman who was a, a keen hunter, and and sometimes hunt would go, hunts would go out f- on for days, and they would sleep out in the forest and everything, and it would always end with a grand feast where they they ate what they uh, what they caught, and hunts could be quite dangerous. Um, I mean, if you hunted stags, uh, anyone who's seen a stag with a full rack will know just how intimidating that is. Boar. There's a reason why you have a specific type of spear, a boar spear, yeah. because a huge boar uh, charging at you—that's that's not funny. Uh, you could hunt bears, so so hunting was also a way of kind of showing your bravery. It was a way for uh, especially younger noblemen who hadn't yet been in battle to show that that they were brave because. You may have hunted down a boar and trapped it somewhere, but then you would get off your horse and you would approach it with boar spear or even there were boar uh, swords, which had a crossbar as well. Mm. And you would have to kill it in close combat. And I mean, I've never seen a boar, but I've seen a well-fed pig. And imagining that going feral, uh, it would take some cojones to to go up and try and take that on in close combat. Yeah, and and again, we we kind of come back to the to the thing that that what your your form of entertainment is supposed to prepare you for. Because if if nothing else, and I, I think a lot of of uh, British hunters do this still, and it's I think it's quite common for hunters as well. Is that the first time you you kill an animal, you're supposed to be blooded with it. Is basically oh yes you, yes you get some blood from the animal in your face. Uh, and and this of course um, goes back to you. You did it during the medieval times as well. And and just if, if you are a nobleman, um, especially one who hasn't been to battle, 
just getting used to to the smell and the feel and the look of blood uh, upon you because if if you're gonna have to cut open a carcass and and remove all the innards which you need to do because otherwise you'll spoil the meat that yeah. that will prepare you for uh, stabbing a, a human in the belly and and ripping them open and stuff like that so so again it goes back to you do this because you need to prepare for other stuff um, and and also if you were an, uh, a nobleman's son uh, you did not get a servant to break and dress the animal no no you did that yourself yeah. uh, it was it was a lot of work it was bloody work it was hard work yeah. But once again, like you said, it prepared you for the smell of blood, the feel of it. And also, if you were going on campaign, sometimes you'd have to do these things. So a nobleman's son didn't just kill an animal and then turn to a servant and say, all right, you break, yeah. uh, dress and skin this. No, no. Mm-hmm. They were expected to do this under the supervision of someone who who were an expert at it. Yeah. And and of course, if you anyone wants to know what that could look like you you always have that scene in it's oh, is, yes. is it first or second season of game of thrones i where think it's Charles second season as, but i'm not uh, sure lannister dresses a deer um, yeah so so yeah it's it's not it's not really pretty uh but and and in that scene i think he just skins it which still is is uh, yeah he's, a, he's only skinning it yeah, yeah so um but 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 yeah it's um it, it's something that you did because you needed to learn something uh, yeah. what, what I find uh, kind of interesting with with hunting is that um, kind of like when when you have with with football games or with sports like which is the best sport you you had at times and in places uh, kind of a rivalry between different kinds of hunters because uh, as we mentioned like if, if you're going out hunting you you have a huge entourage uh, yeah. and depending on which kind of hunt you would have different people doing different stuff. So if you went hunting with with falcons, for example, uh, or hawks, you would you would bring your hawkers and your your falconeers. Uh, and if you were uh, going out hunting with with dogs, you would bring your dog handlers. And apparently there was a bit of a rivalry uh, between uh, between dog handlers and falconeers of, of ah, kind of like which that. which are the coolest ones because like <laughs> yeah we have huge dogs and they can run for days and and eat boars and stuff like that and and the falconeers would go like yeah but but we're a lot fancier because we have these cool noble birds that we just send away and they come back with something uh so so you have um i i won't even try the french name but i think it's just called the the book of hunters uh livret des chasseurs or something like that uh, which is from the late 1300s and there's quite a few illustrations of it it's a book about hunting so you have a bunch <laughs> of illustrations it's a great source uh, source material for for clothing and uh weapons hunting weapons at least and and stuff like I that so i think i think um todd mentioned it in one of his videos on crossbow bolt heads where uh, where, where he talked about the various uh, various heads that were shown in that book and and some of them being immensely impractical if they were the way they were shown in, in yeah. the book yeah uh yeah be- because i think the ones that he's talking about are the ones that are kind of oversized but but you you couldn't really show details or paint details with with the kind of tools you had back then so mm. you would, if if you wanted to show something you would have to exaggerate it and you can yeah. see this in in other art as well that if someone is important uh he's bigger than the rest of the people uh, <laughs> yeah because he's more important 
the Egyptians did this quite a bit, I think. Uh, but but yeah, so so you have you have in in all of these things you have the different uh, the, the difference like traditions and and a lot of it is is the same as we have today. Like you have rivalry between different sports teams. You have uh, people uh, kind of like going on about which sport is the best and and stuff like that. And and really the only thing that has changed is is what we are complaining about basically or. or <laughs> Uh, talking about yeah uh, if we if we're going to um to move uh, into the area of of uh, vampires mm. and look at the the place where most vampires are uh, we can discount monasteries because uh, they weren't supposed to have any leisure time at monasteries uh that's actually uh, something that's that's quite interesting their, their day was divided uh, so that any time they weren't working sleeping or eating they were supposed to be praying yeah. so so there they weren't supposed to have any leisure time though i'm guessing uh gossip was something that that was was done uh i know that um in an in an episode of uh, tasting history uh, the host talked about how though um monks weren't actually supposed to talk while they were at the dinner table they mm. developed uh, a language of humming and whistling yeah so that they could communicate yeah. in code which i think is just bloody amazing um, and and gives me the idea for uh, vampires who have who've spent time in monasteries being able to talk to each other in this code that nobody can can yeah, break. That would be really cool, especially like if if you bring it up, uh, make it more modern, or like like even in a modern game, like yeah. these two vampires. Uh, hung around in monasteries so they can talk to each other. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, uh, but if we if we move into towns and especially cities, mm. um, obviously, like you mentioned, you had the football, which often went uh, from from gate to gates in in a city. Um, but one area that was really big when it came to uh, to leisure and an area that I think vampires would be really interesting in would be bathhouses. Um, yeah. We've mentioned these before that that bathhouses existed, and that people in cities actually tried to to keep quite clean. Uh, it ended when you got into sort of the um, uh, the the plague, the Black Death, because uh, people. One of the things that people believed was that the Black Death had been brought by by Jews, because the Jews were generally the scapegoats, uh, which hasn't changed all that much through no, the uh, centuries, unfortunately. Um, but but and. Of course, Jewish religion stresses cleanliness. So cleanliness kind of went away because people were afraid that if they f uh, focused on cleanliness, people would think that they were secretly Jewish. And then obviously, later after the discovery of the Americas brought home venereal disease, bathhouses became even more problematic because bathhouses were also a place for people to sort of arrange assignations and trysts and... Um, affairs and things like that and and the thing with bathhouses were they were co-ed um so if if you had the hots for a certain uh man or woman and you wanted to check them out naked all you'd have to do was figure out when did they go to the bathhouse yeah and then you could go there at the same time <clears throat> and i think it's important also to to uh look at this context and realize that pre Let's say at least pre um, Black Death, but certainly pre also pre uh, discovery of the Americas, there wasn't really all that much um, taboo attached to nakedness. I mean, women had to breastfeed, so you saw naked breasts, and people 
weren't really all that... Um, I mean, certainly there were people who were concerned about other people seeing them naked. But in general, it wasn't like, oh my God, I see a naked woman. Ah! Yeah, it was yeah, more exactly. along the lines and, of, okay, I've seen a naked woman. She looked hot. That was nice. Yeah, exactly. And and what's interesting is, is kind of like what what parts of the body is taboo. Because in, in certain times and places, it was more important to cover your hair. At least if oh, you yes. were a married woman. Uh, than than to cover other parts of your body, uh, and 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 just another another reason why bathhouses kind of fell out of fashion with with the plague is because, of course, it's it's a place where a lot of people are close to each other, so it's it's gonna be a super spreader, education yeah. basically. So so that's another reason why why bathhouses kind of fell out of mm. favor. Uh, but going but, to the bathhouse and and. Um, men talking of affairs and women gossiping. Um, <laughs> it it that that was entertainment. You went there, you spent an hour, maybe an hour and a half, scrubbing yourself, talking to other people. Again, as you mentioned, building community. So mm. bathhouses, and and they tended to be open quite late as well. So bathhouses, that was a source of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, and and again, if you want to do something vampiric out of this, since they're indoors for obvious reasons you even if it's during the day you could probably technically have a vampire who is awake and just hanging around gathering information or or you yeah. can have if it's one of like the fancy roman baths where where you have um, kind of like underground areas where you could uh, burn uh, where you would would burn fires or, or burn stuff to to heat the water that could be a place where where someone could sit and 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 listening to people speaking and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of these uh, nooks and crannies in these types of, of places where where a vampire who wants to gather information could could just uh, hide. And and I would see no problem with with like a vampire character who's a, an information broker who owns the bathhouse. Uh, yeah. Because people come there to gossip. And if if you have your staff just going around. Uh, li- listening in on people, you will know a lot of things. Yeah, and especially if you have obfuscates, you can just stand around without anyone seeing you. Then it's even better. Exactly. Another place uh, where mostly men went with were uh, the tavern. Now, uh, if you have a town, there would probably only be one tavern. But in cities, you'd have multiple taverns, and taverns tended to. Um, catered to certain people so you would have a tavern where the laborers drank you'd have a tavern where the merchants drank you'd have a tavern where uh, all the the high-ranking guild members drank and a tavern where the uh, where the journeyman drank and when i say drink i think it's important to realize that certainly in the time of dark ages so uh the the beginning to mid 13th century in Europe, they knew of fermentation, but they didn't really know about distillation. So strong spirits, uh, you couldn't get that. The, the strongest you had was if you took wine and left it outside when it was freezing, so yeah. some of the water would freeze, and then you could remove that and thus make the wine stronger. It yeah. was only, I think it was sort of in the beginning to mid-14th uh, century that they started things like burnt beer and burnt wine where they they realized that you could sort of boil some of the water of uh, off but it, at this time when yeah. when we say sitting around and drinking people would drink beer mead ale wine and it wouldn't be very strong and you could sit in a tavern and drink for two hours and only just have a buzz you wouldn't be falling down drunk unless you 
really started chucking it away. Yeah, the, the, the process of distillation, or, or rather to get it properly so, so that the water vapor is actually goes away and just doesn't fall back and, and dilutes the alcohol again, that's, that's actually quite difficult because you need, you need the proper equipment for it. So, so that's, that's a lot later. And, and, and so you had to freeze distillation like you did, and you did it with, with uh, like uh, fermented fruits-based yeah. stuff as well. Uh, and and also just in general, like you mentioned, that that there's often jokes going around that that yeah people would drink and and it would it would be healthier to drink the water or drink the beer than to drink the water and and yeah it is because the fermentation process kills bacteria, uh, but that doesn't mean that you would drink strong beer for your breakfast. No, like, no, no. Like no. the average the the average beer that you would drink is. Would would be like a couple of percent alcohol by volume at, at the most, uh, yeah. and and this is what you would give to to children and and women and and everyone as well, um, and and this is this is for basically two reasons. Like first of all, it's uh, it, it is or it can be cleaner than the water, uh, since like I said, it it kills the the, the, the bacteria, uh, but but also like. There's a lot of, of carbs in beer. Oh yeah. So if you're out working in the fields all day and and you want like uh, a quick pick me up, then then if you chug a pint of, of beer, then it's then you will get some carbs in it. And and I actually do that a lot when I'm out uh, larping in the summer. Uh, I I get light beer or alcoholic beer, uh, alcohol free beer, uh, and. Because like if if it's really hot and I've been running around and I don't want to stand over a cooking fire getting even hotter cooking a meal, then if if I drink a few beers uh, again with as little alcohol as possible, um, then then it's like eating a bunch of bread. So yeah, it's, it's beer is liquid then. bread. Yeah, especially um, if you drink Guinness, <laughs> yeah. almost liquid bread. <laughs> yeah, or eat it with a spoon. Yeah. Um, but but so I mean, yeah, the the taverns were gathering places, and once again, men would talk of affairs. Mm. Uh, but also there would there would be uh, gaming there, um, either uh, dice or simple board games. Dice uh, was was obviously the game of choice when you were gambling. Mm. Uh, but but many a table in a. Um, in a tavern, would have a game board carved into it, and you would ba- play uh, simple games, uh, the the equivalent of maybe checkers or something like that, either for a very small stake or just to pass the time while you were while you were talking. Um, and so the men would go to the tavern, the women would stay at home and tend the family, uh, and sometimes visit each other. And 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 once again, gossip because that's what women did. Yeah. That's it's actually when when I mention it this many times, it is a staple of of stories and and uh, parables and everything from from the Middle Ages that women were such gossips. Uh, and and anyone who knows anything about people will know that yeah, men gossiped just as yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I want to go back a bit to, to what you mentioned about uh, guilds and and different different taverns and different drinking places for different people. Uh, that's that's actually a thing that like comes comes up a lot and it stays around for for quite a bit. Um, here in in Sweden during the 16 and 1700s. We imported a bunch of, uh, of of blacksmiths and other tradesmen from uh, from Valonia in modern day Belgium. I, yeah, it's Belgium, right? Yeah. Yeah, Valonia is Belgium. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and and 
you, and and you would bring them to these to these kind of like places where where uh, you you would have a very uh, very obvious distinction between like the the, um, the blacksmiths for example and the local peasantry or, or forest workers or whatever uh, and uh, they they would like literally divide things between them so like often uh, during certain occasions um, and they, again this is later on but but you ha had like the, the midsummer dances for example and you would have a barn or or a stable or, or a um, um, wagon house and you would remove all the stuff that's in it and and you would literally separate uh, separate the, the area into two so that like the peasants would would dance in one side and the, the blacksmiths and other people would uh, would dance on on their side and of course it would be a bit of of intermingling and and some sometimes they make a case of it like okay now now we take down the curtain between so that people can mix but in in other occasions you have stories about fights fights breaking out because people aren't staying on their side mm. and and stuff like that so so if you want to you can you can have these rivalries and and things between different guilds or different tradespeople or different professions uh, and and it of course it can be used to uh, like to create if if you want to destabilize a cedar for example make sure that the people in the cedar are fighting each other uh, yeah because i mean going into the wrong tavern that could be a problem just mm. imagine a journeyman for some reason walking into the master's tavern uh he he could uh at the very least he's going to get thrown out he might get beat up he might even get into trouble with his guild and and get thrown out or something like that simply for walking into the wrong tavern yeah. because if there was one thing that people in the city the burgers were very very uh, keen on it was privilege yeah. everybody had a certain privilege and it was defended vigorously that yeah. was something that they really, really, because they they were burghers and they realized that that being citizens of a city was in and of itself a privilege. So so privilege for them was very important. Yeah, and and, and like you mentioned, it's it not it's not necessarily that that some people have more privilege than other people. It's it's that they have different kinds of privileges. Like who is allowed to. Uh, to to uh, um, meal or go to the meal to to turn their wheat into uh, to, into meal, for example, and and uh, and or into flour uh, and and stuff like that. So 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 you had like yeah, I I I can do my thing, and you're yeah. not allowed to do it because you exactly. have your thing. And if if you can do my thing, then everyone can do it, and then it's not 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 my thing anymore. Yeah, one last place that people went for entertainment in the cities was actually church. Now you went to church on Sunday to hear mass, and that was by many people considered uh, a nice break in the day. Um, <clears throat> you would go to mass at different uh, times, and it was divided into the woman's side and the man's side. And once again, you get all these stories of women sitting on the women's side in church gossiping, whereas the men, of course, sit with their heads bared and listen to the priest. And yeah, right. Uh -huh. um, but obviously people couldn't understand what the priest was saying because the mass was in Latin, but you'd still be there with your fellow citizens and the church would be decorated so you could look at all these usually very nicely painted pictures and and get a sense of the biblical scenes and there would be singing. Um, if uh, Most cities would have a choir of, uh, of, of young boys that would sing 
Um, and uh, I, I quite actually enjoy uh, church music and, and choral singing. I think it's it's nice and, and relaxing. So I can imagine someone just going to church and saying, yeah, I'm going to sit here in a nice uh, room for a while and listen to some music. And yeah, the priest drones on and on, but I can look at some nice pictures and I can have a, a, a quiet talk with the, with the guy sitting next to me. Well, that, that's the thing, though. D- depending on, on when it is, you wouldn't necessarily sit because the, oh, the church true. pews are... Uh, I, I'm not even going to hazard a guess that when, when they became common, but that was actually a thing that you were supposed to stand in church. And and I think that one of the reasons why they, they made this rule is probably to prevent people just falling asleep and, yeah, exactly. or, or gossiping with people. But, but, but yeah, in a lot of places you have... Uh, like you, you would have a few pews for yeah for the elderly and yeah, the crippled, for elderly, pregnant women, and and some in some cases for the nobility and and stuff like that. But 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 yeah, going to church, you would you would stand around listening to a person who spoke in a language you didn't understand, and and what they would do, like of course the the um, the the church paintings was a way to get around the fact that that people didn't speak latin so you had have the different scenes from the bible and like oh now the the priest is talking in a in a loud angry voice and he's pointing towards uh, the painting of of hell or purgatory oh okay this this must be something important that that we're supposed to take seriously uh, i better and, look and, like i'm listening <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, and and now he's painting at, at a picture of of Jonah and the whale fish, for example, and and let's nod at that. And now he's painting to Je- pointing to Jesus, so so let's bow our heads and and praise Jesus. Um, but yeah, if if you go to uh, to Europe and you can find one of the the churches that actually have the the really old uh, paintings, then then take the time and actually look at them because. They are very beautiful and very cool, and again, uh, an excellent source for uh, for a way to uh, to see how people looked and dressed during the time. Because uh, a very common thing is that if you're illustrating something, uh, doesn't really matter what it is, you're going to paint people as you and the people around you were yes. were, were dressed. So you have these fantastic pictures of. From like the 1400s or 1500s of, of like the the crucifixion and stuff like that, and it's of course it's it's horrible if you want to figure out what Roman soldiers look like, but if you want to find out what what Italian soldiers from the 14th century or 15th century look like, it, it's excellent because that's how they're uh, depicted. Uh, yeah, that's and, that's actually one of our main sources for yeah. how did weapons, armor, and clothing mm. look at the time was pictures of biblical stories but with with the artist going well this is how people look so they probably looked like that back then and this is how people are armed that was probably how they were armed back then yeah exactly uh and and but but going back to church or rather leaving the church again since um especially in in rural societies where um in and this was common in sweden where you had like you you had small villages of of maybe just a, a few households and then you had like a central church or and and of course a, a larger village around it so people would go from from quite afar to get to church uh, yeah. and so this would be a time to to meet people to to uh, if if you're a teenager probably to to hang around uh, and maybe find a girlfriend or a boyfriend and, and stuff like that so so going to church on sundays 
and and even more so on the bigger holidays like like Christmas and and Easter and and stuff like that was a big big deal because that's the occasion um, where you actually got to meet people um, and and just to show how kind of like important these uh, these journeys to church were because they could be quite long sometimes there are a lot of, of like uh, folklore in in Sweden talking about people like being attacked by wolves and having to fight fight off wolves and in some cases even werewolves going to and or from the church so like <laughs> this is serious business like even if I'm attacked by a wolf I'm still going to to go to church and and gossip and meet people so it kind of shows on on what level people uh, people took these occasions to meet other people yeah. So if we're going to tie all this back to vampires, I'd say th- I'd say that that you know vampires uh, generally don't work. You may have a vampire who's a master artisan uh, who is who is forging a sword, or you may have a vampire who's a master artist who is paint doing a painting or something. But mm-hmm. vampires, uh, they're probably going to spend a fair amount of time doing all their scheming, but they also need uh, leisure. So what are they going to do? Well, they are obviously going to be playing board games. Yeah. They are going to be... They they may have a higher than average chance of, of being able to read, so they might read um, whatever <coughs> is available of, of sort of uh, fiction. There is There were a few, like entertainment stories they may read aloud to each other they may have dances where some vampires are playing instruments and other are dancing and all these sorts of things um so so that is something to put keep in mind like <clears throat> you know if your vampire is out hunting or doing scheming or whatever what are they they doing and it's probably going to be some kind of communal leisure activity um, and we've talked about like uh, everyday leisure activity, but there's also obviously the big ones, the things that people look forward to: um, fairs, markets, weddings, and tournaments. Yeah. Um, and fairs and markets are, are pretty much the same thing. I mean, you you have this huge event where merchants come from all over. Um, if it's a fair or just from the the local area, if it's a market, and that was the big entertainment thing you have the probably most famously the champagne fairs in the champagne region of uh, of france uh you had the cloth fairs in flanders mm-hmm. uh you had some um fairs in england i can't remember what they call yet but there were a number of sort of um yearly fairs that that came at the same time where you would have people coming from quite far away uh, like the the champagne fairs brought in people from uh, the south of France, from uh, Iberia, from um, Scandinavia, uh, and from Eastern Europe, just to the area of Champagne in uh, in France. And this would be a big thing because not only would there be merchants uh, hawking their wares, tradesmen selling what they produced, you would have people setting up um, beer tents, uh, just you know a tent. A plank over two barrels and whatever drink you wanted to sell now you have a business you'd have entertainers trying to earn a coin doing entertainment you would certainly have criminals working the crowd yeah. you would have uh, nobles visiting because obviously this was a big thing for nobles as well this was a chance say to buy yourself a new horse because maybe a horse trader had come down from uh, from denmark um, which at this point was famous in Northern Europe for bringing a lot of horses to market. 
all sorts of things. So <clears throat> and and things would continue into the night. So a fair and a market, which is just basically a regional fair where the local villages and and towns bring all their stuff to the nearest city. This is really a thing where vampires have a chance to get involved and interact with humanity and see their schemes come to fruition. Yeah, and and like it's perfect for for feeding because there's going to be a bunch of people from from out of town that no one's going to care about if they get hurt and and there's uh, there, there will be brawls and and drunken people <laughs> falling into the river and stuff like that. So so it's it's good for like it's uh, it, it's good because they kind of cover up the vampiric activities in in quite a few ways. I'd I'd imagine that if if you're a modern day vampire, you would probably go to like the Roskilde festival or stuff like that. Then yeah, be, because that would be a perfect place to hunt. Uh, so but but yeah, fairs are, are the big occasions and. Uh, and again, it kind of goes back to the things that not a lot of things happen. So when things actually do happen, you make sure to make the most of it. Oh yeah, the, it was people were really looking forward to uh, like the spring market or the big trade fair in in the next city. You this this was this was a time when people actually traveled. Usually, like you said, people from villages might travel to the nearest church. And certainly there were people who traveled, uh, merchants, sailors and stuff like that, but mostly people stayed put. But if you were living in, let's say, a, a large town and the the city with the cathedral that was uh, down the river had a, a fair, you might certainly... Uh, go to that fair and uh, you know then you if you had enough money you could uh, rent a room at an inn but otherwise you'd probably just sleep under a bush if it was a nice warm summer evening yeah. and spend a few days at that fair just because this was the big thing yeah exactly it's 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 a break from the rather monotonous way of life that that most people had back in the days and and we should probably mention that that it looked nothing like today's ren fairs or medieval markets or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Though I that's a good point actually. But, but I I will still say like if you go to for example the medieval market here in Copenhagen, uh, you've mentioned the uh, um, market at at yeah, Visby many times. In, in Visby, yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. Uh, for example, the medieval. The medieval market in Denmark, uh, in Copenhagen, has a very large section dedicated to kids with lopping and everything. Mm. So, but you'd still get some idea. One thing that I absolutely love at the medieval market here in Copenhagen is a guy. Uh, he's there every year, and, and we've talked to him quite a lot. Uh, and he's um, either an immigrant or children of immigrants from uh, possibly Turkey or something like that. He's Middle Eastern, and so he dresses up in like full-on turban and embroidered <laughs> robes and oh. then he has this embroidered tent and he sells completely and or, uh, utterly ordinary stuff that uh, we can get everywhere but at that time you could only get from the middle east so incense and oh, yeah, um, yeah. embroidered pillows and stuff like that and he is the merchant from arabia and he really is the exotic one yeah. and i just love that and that's something that you would have in the big uh, at the big fairs at champagne you would have merchants coming yeah. from north africa or the middle east there wouldn't be a lot of them but you would have one or two who would be bringing in the yeah. silks and the spices yeah. and who would be buying 
the European goods. So that's something that I think is, is really cool about that. So if you go to one some of these markets, you will get a sort of an idea of what such a market or fair would be mm. uh, filtered through a modern view. But I would still highly recommend if if you want to get a sort of, of sense of it to go to some of these places because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and of course, the biggest difference is that if you go to, for example, Visby, which uh, still has its own uh, 13th century city wall around it, uh, it's a world heritage, by the way. So if nothing else, just it's it's that cool. Uh, but I need of to course, go there at some point. Back, uh, sorry? I need to go there at some point. Yeah, you do. Uh, and uh, But of course, back in the days, like, Today everything uh, is in ruins, but back day back then it wasn't. So so all of the the, the the towers in the in the city wall and and the churches and stuff like that would be even more impressive. So uh, so so you you kind of have to imagine it that in not only t- take away all the all of the the silliness, but but add some more awesomeness in the literal yeah. sense of the word. Um, mm. But 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 yeah, it's. Um, uh, and just going back to what you said about people from from different places, again, if if you want to do your world of darkness, where it's a lot more common that that people from from certain areas come to these places, there's there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. So so and and that could be a way if you want to make your games more diverse. The, yeah. Like you you can have. Why not have like Serbian merchants going up to to a horse fair in. Uh, in Copenhagen or, or Roskilde or whatever, for example, or or you could have like um, Laplandish uh, Sami people going down to France to sell uh, their reindeer pelts or, or anything like that. Just yeah, exactly. It, like there's there's no reason why why you can't have it if you really want to. Uh, yeah. Just just know that it doesn't necessarily correspond to to real history, but again, it doesn't have to. Um, mm. So another another source of entertainment would be a wedding if you had either a noble who were wedding or a rich merchant because they would throw a, a big feast and invite a lot of people. Um, for example, if you um, if you had say one of the wealthy merchants of Lübeck who uh, had a daughter who was getting married, that would be a citywide celebration that this merchant would pay for. And uh, towards the end of the 13th century, cities like Lübeck, Hamburg, Bremen, the the sort of big free cities in Germany, they would start having official city musicians, which were the only musicians that were allowed to play at big city events. So you couldn't have a traveling group of musicians come up and say, hey, I hear there's a marriage, we would like to play. Because no, you had these musicians that were paid by the city. So their only job was to be musicians in that city. But then obviously they would have to audition. So you knew you were getting quality musicians. And and the wedding would be a big affair. And I don't know if if that was a thing in other countries, but at least in Denmark, the city started having wedding crowns where the city would own a crown, uh, depending on how wealthy the city was, the crown could be of of brass or it could be of silver. And if an important young lady was married, she would be crowned with the city wedding crown and the father was expected to add something to the crown. Maybe Ah. if he wasn't that wealthy, he would add uh, a semi-precious stone. If he was quite wealthy, he might add a pearl or a small gemstone. Uh, and, And so... 
the the young woman who was getting married would be the queen of the city because she was crowned. So so if a nobleman or a um, or, or a wealthy burger was getting married, that was also a big entertainment affair with feasting and singing and dancing and all these sorts of things. So that's also an yeah. an area of entertainment that people would get. Yeah, I I don't know if it's to see this but I do know that there are a lot of churches here in Sweden that, that has like the, the wedding crown but I think mm. they might be more connected to the church or the parish rather than the city uh, and I, I, I honestly don't know if there has been a tradition of, of adding to the crown but but yeah like uh, fancying up the bride because uh, again it's it's supposed to be her big day and 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 you kind of um, Kind of letting her be be the center of attention for one day, and it's if nothing else, it's it's really good for morale to perhaps if if you can't afford to have nice jewelry on your wedding, you know that you can at least borrow the the wedding crown from the church. So yeah, and and I mean it's also a thing like you see two young people getting married with the promise of all that entails mm. it's like you said it's a feel-good moment for everyone involved yeah. especially if you're in a relatively small city where a lot of people will know each other it's just a a, a good thing um and once again you will have feasting long into the night you'll have people overindulging in drinks it's really just a, a good um a good uh, thing for vampires because now they have extra opportunity to feed and yeah. to interact with humans after sundown yeah exactly uh and yeah exactly it's it's i'm I'm just getting this this weird conspiracy theory that that all of the wedding traditions are are just to make sure that the, the vampires can feed but i i don't know that might be <laughs> taking it a bit too far oh well they they could do that influence mm. so um i would like to end with tournaments um because i think we've been uh once again talking for quite uh, a while um so tournaments were the big thing I mean, that was a tournament was comparable to a fair in how much attention it attracted. There wasn't any trading going on, but you'd still have people selling food and drink, and you would get the greatest entertainment you could get. Now, when when I say tournament, I think a lot of people in their mind have an idea of the of tournaments, like in, for example, the wonderful movie First Night mm. with uh, with Heath 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 Ledger, Alan Tudyk. No, no, uh, that's a Night's Tale, isn't it? Oh, sorry, a Night's Tale. Yeah. Yes, uh, First Night is something completely that's, different that's and not a very Sean good Curran movie. And Richard Gere, yeah, isn't not it? a very good yeah. movie. No, yeah, yeah, a Night a Night's Tale. Uh, yeah, I should have known that. It's it's named after one of the Chaucer stories, so obviously yeah. I should have known that. But anyway, yeah, highly recommend the movie. Yes, you have people uh, singing We Will Rock You, but uh, as the um, director of the movie say, said, he wanted to take uh, the idea of what a tournament was back then and translate it into modern day. And yes, the crowd chanting something uh, would that would happen back then however if we have to be historic historical about the dark ages timeline that wasn't how tournaments were in say 1242 where the late which is the latest date for dark ages you did not have the whole level of pageantry uh, in france it was starting to pick up the idea of the chivalry and the courtly love and the pageantry but generally at this time, tournaments, still incredibly popular, were more like war games. You had the Bohort, um, 
or the melee where you had teams fighting each other you may you might have a few um one-on-one -on -one interchanges of uh, of lances and you might have a few one-on-one uh, -on -one duels but it was mostly this big mock battle with two teams fighting each other yeah. uh, and but it was still incredibly popular because I mean, just look at the popularity of, of mixed martial arts today. People enjoy seeing people beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, and, and speaking of this, like the the, the idea of, of what a jouster tournament would look like has, has changed quite a bit over the year. And it's it's basically been boiled down to uh, to the fancy stuff, which is the knights running against each other with, with lances and, and having a, um, oh, what do you call the, the middle bar? The, the, it's, oh, I can't remember yeah. what that's called. Yeah, but that the mid the middle bar yeah, we, that we, separates them from each other, which was a relatively modern yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly, because it's it's a safety uh, precaution. But but that's kind of like when you've taken uh, everything down to to the to the coolest, most noble part of it. But but the the melees, as they were called back from from the twelve hundreds, the early twelve hundreds, they uh, they they were brutal affairs oh. because even yeah. if you had like you wouldn't have blunt weapons because you didn't want to kill people too much uh and you you still would have people getting hurt uh and and also in in a way it was um geographically bigger as well like you could have like an an area uh with with fields and forests and and stuff like that and you, you would basically send out teams with with knights and they would fight each other, so it wasn't really a yeah. spectator sport uh, in in these occasions. Um, and and so you have uh, William Marshall, the, the first Earl of Pembroke, who is kind of like oh yes. When when you talk about a knight, he's he's <laughs> kind of of the the he's the knight. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's kind of like the first um, and and the epitome of of how a knight should be and act and and uh, fight as well because he, he was not only an, a, a knight and a jouster he was also a soldier uh, but but you would you would basically run around a field beating each other up uh, and and so i i don't know if we talk too much about battle of nations and and medieval armored combat and stuff like that in this podcast but it's it's a really cool thing that's been going around for for last few years like a decade or something which is people dressing up in um Later period, full metal armor. Yeah, in, in medieval armor uh, and beating the shit out of each other with uh, with blunt <laughs> weapons. And and the thing is, it's it's very different from from Hema, for example, because it's uh, it, it's basically a brawl, and and there's there is a bit of contention and and kind of like dick measuring, like which which is more proper and which is more historical and stuff like that yeah hema versus full metal combat there is a lot of debate going on yeah there. and they really shouldn't because they're they're two completely different animals and and i and this is just my personal opinion like for me uh, uh battle of nations uh, medieval armored combat isn't isn't really historical in the fact that that you often make both the weapons and the armor a lot heavier than uh, yeah. than than they would be because you need the protection, uh, and and you don't really use the uh, the techniques that you would use on a battlefield or in a duel. Uh, but what it is and what it probably does really convey is the feel of one of these uh, tournament melees where you basically yeah. had people just just bashing the shit out of each other because then in you would have the thicker armor because. 
again, it's it's kind of like if if you're if you're in a boxing match, you only have the gloves and the the, the teeth protection. But if you're just training, you will have uh, like kidney belts and and padded helmets and stuff like that because yeah. it's training, so you don't want to get hurt people for real. So so and it's also important to mention the idea of. Uh, knights wearing armor so heavy that they had to be lifted into the saddle with yeah, a crane. That, like you tough. said, that is that is only tournament armor yeah. because that was so heavy. Whereas the armor a knight would wear into battle, he was expected to be able to vault into yeah, the saddle. Exactly. So so that's that's not something that that you had around. So 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 yeah. If just just Google Battle of Nation or medieval armor combat, uh, combat and and check it out on. On YouTube because it's it's again it's a really cool sport. I I wouldn't say if like if someone thinks that that's how a medieval battle would have been fought, then no, I'm I'm going to say that no, it's not because people are so much more irresponsible. You have like people drop kicking each other and, and doing like yeah. flying knees and stuff like that because the goal of 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 it is to get uh, your opponent down on I don't know if it's one or two knees, but once you're down, it's, you're I, it's Oh, I think it's I think it's two knees. Yeah. But on the other hand, I could definitely see people uh, doing that in, in say a, a, a medieval bohort or, or melee, yeah. where they are trying to impress the the spectators yeah. because that's that's just a mock battle. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I remember talking to a member of the uh, of the U.S. national team mm. uh, one year at, at Dragon Con, yeah. and it was a, a really interesting conversation um, where he complained. Really- yeah, where he complained about uh, the Danish team getting everyone else drunk the night before the fight. Yeah, because so, we brought the mead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean these these tournaments. Uh, sure, you're seeing you're starting to see the development of the joust and the the one on one duels. But you'd also have peasants competing uh, in archery. Uh, Robin Hood isn't that far from the truth. Actually, you would have uh, commoners participating in archery you'd have wrestling duels wrestling was a huge thing um wrestling was something that most people most men uh were trained in both nobles who would have to know how to wrestle an opponent to the ground and stab him with a dagger peasant wrest- peasants wrestled for fun burgers when when they were uh young um apprentices would would wrestle simply because you know one side of the town fought against another side of the town. So wrestling competitions would be there. You would have animal fights like a bear baiting, for example, yeah. setting Cock hounds fight. on a bear. Sorry? Cock fights as well. Cock fights, yes, um, with with cocks. Um, <laughs> so, so, and that would be a thing. And one of the things, this is what I want to end on, is one of the things I think vampires would probably do was to copy that and while a human tournament were going on, was going on, they would probably have their own midnight tournament where they would um, either themselves participate or have their ghouls participate in something that mirrored the um, what the what the humans were doing. So I could definitely see if you have a game set in in France and you have a Turiot or Court of Love and you have a local duke putting on a grand tourney where people are coming from everywhere, then the vampires would use the tournament grounds at night using their powers to keep mortals out and they would ape the humans and you would earn prestige if your ghoul was the one who won the sword fight or you would earn prestige if you... uh, stood up and uh, uh, proclaimed a grand epic poem in front of the gathered vampires. Um, and that's, you know, vampires need entertainment as well. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's all that that I had to say about uh, this uh, this topic on this casual Friday. Yeah. So uh, do you have uh, anything you want yeah, to round yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just, off with? Yeah, I just remember that word we were looking for is, is list. It's the barrier between them. Yes, <laughs> yes, obviously. Thank uh, you. But, but yeah, I, I I like that idea as well. And and I'm thinking if if we're going. Um, with with vampires being uh, being a lot older than most people, um, b- because you have uh, I, I would see kind of a, a running theme from from like the Olympic Games in, uh, oh, in yes. Greece and and going up to the to the tournaments and jousts of of the Middle Ages uh, because you, you through have the course, gladiators in Rome yeah exactly and uh, but I'm I'm thinking more like because you you had the Olympic peace like if you're going. Wars oh, yeah. were literally uh, put on hold during the Olympic yeah. Games, uh, and and as well, if you were going to or from uh, an Olympic game, you were kind of of um, you, you you were kept safe. Like even if even if we wanted to murder each other, it was bad sport to do it on the way to or from um, an an Olympic game. And the same was kind yeah. of true uh, during during the medieval times. With if you were going to and from, at least if it was one of these. Like big fanciful tournaments, you would you wouldn't want to attack someone because like that would be like attacking uh, your uh, an opponent's hockey player during the NHL, for example. So so it would I I would feel that vampires would probably, especially the more traditional vampires, would probably be very strict to enforce this kind of like yeah okay I'm gonna have a tournament and it's gonna be a perfect opportunity for scheming and feeding and everything else. And if if anyone attacks uh, a fellow canite going to or from this journey, I'm gonna fucking bloodhunt you until you're dead, uh, because it's such an important event and it's it's such a display of power as well to to have this. So so you can probably do a lot of things with that. Um, I'm I'm thinking kind of the same thing with with board games and entertainment. Like you could have this gambling hall where. Uh, where where you have vampires of different ages playing different kinds of board games, uh, chess for example has changed a lot during during the century. Oh yes. So you can have like you you could have like a, a young upstart like yeah I'm the best chess player there is and and then an elder comes around and says oh you're you're playing the new fanciful <laughs> simplified version of chess. Well this is this isn't at all what we played in India in 100 BC. You silly young person. And so you can you can do a lot of world building and and also intriguing. Like for example, you could uh, you you could probably expose someone as a spy depending on what what version of chess they are most familiar with. So like if mm. if you're a, a, an Eastern Simici um, and you don't know the like the French version of chess, then then you would uh, you you could probably be exposed by that. Uh, if you want to, or, or just make fun, uh, do something fun with it. But uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, that's that's kind of what I wanted to to end with. Like, if you want to do a connection between old games and new games, and and make something, mix it up and do something fun with it. Yeah, excellent. So uh, next Friday we are going to be looking at uh, the second. Uh, self-contained scenario published for uh, Dark Ages and 
I've actually forgotten what what it uh, what it's called, <laughs> which is mm. a bit embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but it is uh, set in the Jerusalem by night setting, uh, and it's going to be interesting. I've never read anything uh, of it, so uh, I'm I'm going to be interested to see whether or not they can redeem themselves after Clash of Wills, which shouldn't uh, be that hard. Yeah. Oh, Fountains of Bright Crimson. That's what it's called. So at least it's got a, a cool title. Um, but uh, anyway, this has been uh, our second Casual Friday, and I hope that uh, you don't mind listening to us rambling on and going on various tangents. Uh, if you've made it this far, you probably don't. So um, that's it. And uh, for now, it is goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell, and see you next time. Bye.